With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Good boys and girls, two for the podcast on Monday, the 9th of May, brought to you by ekillindex.com and our presenting sponsor, Liberty Shield. Liberty Shield is a VPN provider. A virtual privacy network will allow you to go online, change location, and access things you're otherwise geo-blocked from. UK expats wanting access to BBC iPlayer, ITV Hub, all four Irish expats wanting access to RT Player, a Liberty Shield VPN will get you where you want to go and keep your data safe. Check out libertyshield.com and use the code EPL25, that's EPL25, to get 25% off at checkout. We're also brought to you by Home of Hopcroft, a giftware and homeware company located in Scotland but shipping worldwide. Check out homeofhopcroft.co.uk. And finally, do check out the EPL Index and Anfield Index shops which you can find on Etsy, use the codes EPL10 or RED10 to get 10% off at checkout. Right, folks, we had a full slate of Premier League games over the weekend. Some surprising results, some not surprising results, some very, very poor performances. And some teams who just seem set on self-sabotage. Let's start with Brentford versus Southampton. Southampton firmly on the beach for this one. Pontus Janssen put Brentford one up on three minutes after good work from Ivan Tony. Johan Wiese doubled the lead less than a minute later after Southampton just decided to go for a bit of a, an afternoon nap. And then Christopher Ayer showing nimble footwork for a big man made a three on 79 minutes. The game as a whole was a bit strange because both sides had 18, 19 shots. Southampton more the ball. It's just they didn't seem to know what to do with it when they got into the final third. Their best efforts were shots from distance that David Reyes saved fairly easily. And Brentford took their chances when they got them. Big win for Brentford. We know that they're safe. They've been safe for a while now. It's just all about adding to that points tally, giving themselves confidence to go into the summer and then into next season, knowing that they belong in the division. They had that really bad spell where it looked like they were going to fall into the relegation battle, but they've turned things around. The addition of Ericsson has been massive. Just having that level of class, that level of intelligence, that level of knowing how to win football matches, massive help for them. And I look forward to seeing what next season brings for Brentford. I think this is a team that has clear areas for improvement, certainly in defence. I think you could do one in midfield, one in attack, a bit of help at centre-back. But, yeah, I think this is a team that are going in the right direction. They're a smart club, really well run. Their recruitment is always spot on. I think they, like Brighton, who are run in a very similar manner, can establish themselves as a Premier League club moving forward. Southampton, it is what it is. I mean, they're they're safe. They should be fine. But there's just no way of knowing what Southampton you're going to get. That's the, the be-all and end-all with them. One week they turn up and look like potential world beaters, and the next they turn up and look like they're a bunch of lads 
who were standing outside a pub that morning waiting for a minibus, didn't have enough players, called a couple of mates, brought them along and all went out and played together for the first time. You just don't know with them. Like I say, they should be safe. It would be unusual for a team to go down with 40 points in a 38-game season, but it's not completely outside the realms of possibility. They have two tough games left, Liverpool home, Leicester away. So I don't expect them to get any more points than that, but I have to say I, I don't expect the three teams below them, Everton, Burnley and Leeds, to all pick up more than 40 points for the season. Uh, we'll move on. Next game up, Burnley 1, Aston Villa 3. I have no idea how Villa went in 2-0 up at half time because Burnley had two, if not three, great chances. The Veghorst header really should score. Dwight McNeil has to score. Has to score when he robs the ball from Konza, breaks in, seems to get himself caught in two minds, should just put his laces through the ball and hit it as hard as he could. Doesn't dribbles at, at Emmy Martinez. And there was another Nathan Collins chance on a set piece that I thought he should have done better from. But Danny Ings on seven minutes and a deflected Emmy Buendia shot on 31 minutes gave Villa a 2 0 lead, completely undeserved. Came out in the second half, Villa went 3 0 up with Ollie Watkins, quality goal. There was no doubt that one came within the run of play. And then it was just smooth sailing for Villa. Burnley tried their best to fight back. They got a consolation goal in the 91st minute when Max Cornet was played through. Max Cornet probably should have started the game. Burnley seemed to lack any kind of pace and thrust up front with Ashley Barnes playing. Uh, I'm not really sure what purpose Aaron Lennon is serving anybody. Burnley had the bad news the other day that Matthias Vidra is done for the season. Um, but Aaron Lennon just isn't a Premier League calibre footballer. It, it's, it's that simple. At this point in his career, you're basically playing with 10 men. Burnley have to figure out something better between now. But like you look at the at their bench, what is there to call on? You know, Dale Stevens. Not a Premier League caliber player. Eric Peters, Phil Bardsley, no longer Premier League caliber. Kevin Long had to come off the bench for Tarkovsky. Tarkovsky could be done for the season. We'll have to wait and see on that one. Kevin Long struggles at this level. It's two young players there. Bobby Thomas, he's a defender. He's not giving you a game-changing option. And Dara James Morgan Costello, who has to be at least part Irish. Let's see. He's from Limerick. You know, I've been to Limerick. The, the accent in Limerick now would be a bit nasal, you know, it'd be kind of a low and slow nasal kind of accent if you're from Limerick, by. But uh, yeah, Dara Costello is a left winger. Maybe he's worth a chance. Seven goals, two assists, and 21 appearances in the Premier League two this season. Maybe it's worth giving him a go because he can't offer any less than what Aaron Lennon has given. Just can't. It wouldn't be possible for him to offer less. Um, yeah, may, maybe it's time to give, give the kid a go and see what happens. Not a good result for Burnley, obviously. They're 17th. They're only outside the relegation point as places on goal difference. They do have a healthy goal difference advantage of 18 goals on Leeds. Um, they've got Tottenham away next. I don't expect them to get anything there. I still think there's something for them against Villa because this Villa team make no sense. And then Newcastle on the final day of the season. And if Newcastle play like they did yesterday, Burnley can win that game. So I still think Burnley will stay up but I'm not as confident as I was. Uh, for Villa, I mean, their season is just, it's a nothing season. They've lost 17 of their 34 games. 
They've got four left. They play Crystal Palace. Sorry, they play Liverpool, then Crystal Palace, then Burnley, and then Man City. I think there's a couple of defeats in there, certainly against Liverpool and City. Four points remaining. Who knows? I think they're. it's going to just kind of run out as a bit of a damn squib for them. But on the plus side, they're now back to having a goal differential of zero for the season, which is better than it has been at times for them. Chelsea 2, Wolves nil. Chelsea's home form continues to be a catastrophe. Uh, they went 2-0 up in this game. Romelu Lukaku won a penalty and then converted the penalty on 56, then made it 2 two minutes later with a right-footed shot from the edge of the box. And Chelsea looked to be cruising, but Trinkiao scored an absolutely outstanding goal on 79. Connor Cody decided to go play up front on 95. And on 97, cross into the box, and it's Connor Cody unmarked at the back post, heading home while Rhys James is doing whatever it is Rhys James was doing. Uh, great point for Wolves. Chelsea, I just don't know what to make of them. I really don't know what to make of them. Like, there's just times they look completely inept. They're clearly a substantially better team than Arsenal, but now they're only one point ahead of Arsenal in the Premier League table. And it's unlikely, but they are in a situation where they could miss out on top four entirely. Now, Spurs have a maximum points total this season of 72. If Spurs get 72, Arsenal's max for the season Sorry, 71 for Spurs. 71 for Spurs. Arsenal's max will be 72 if they won their other two games and lost to Spurs. That would leave Chelsea needing three points. Sorry, four points to finish above Spurs on goal difference. Um, They've got Leicester, Leeds and Watford. So they should be fine. It's actually Leeds, Leicester, Watford in that order with the FA Cup final in between those Leeds and Leicester games. They should be fine. They should get get a top four finish, but it may be that they finish fourth rather than third, which would be very, very disappointing considering they should have been miles clear of the rest, but their home form has just been an abomination. I'd be curious to see what, what Leeds can do against them in midweek. And then I'll be really curious to see which Chelsea team turns up in the cup final. Because if it's the team that's been playing in the league of late, they will get walloped. Uh, If it's the team that played in the Champions League last season that just comes to spoil games and try and win on the counter-attack, then they've got more of a chance. Uh, Wolves are eighth. They will in all likelihood finish eighth, though it is only three points between them and Brighton who are ninth. They do have a game in hand on Brighton. They're five points behind West Ham and eight behind United. They've got difficult games coming. They get City. They get Norwich at home, which should be a win. And they get Liverpool. My expectation is that they finish on 53 points in eighth place, which I think is a great achievement for them. All things considered in the first season under Bruno Lage. Uh, Moving on then. Crystal Palace won, Watford nil, uh, Wolf Zaha penalty on 31 minutes. Uh, There's nothing really to talk about with this game. Palace were much better. Palace should have won by a couple of clear goals. What I thought was disgraceful was was Roy Hodgson uh, at the end of the game laughing with the Palace management team, seemingly not in any way put, put off by the fact that Watford had gone down walked around applauding the Palace fans, drinking in the adulation, and never acknowledged the Watford fans that travelled for the game. Now, it's not, a, it's not a big trip. It's one side of London to the other. But still, people took the time out of their day to travel across London, watch the team, support the team. You served up that absolute slop, and you didn't even take the time to just wave at them. And his excuse was 
they were a bit far away. It's a football stadium. They're only ever 50 yards away from you if you're stood on the halfway line, which you were, because that's where the dugouts are. But just laughing and joking with the palace staff and, oh, sickening, absolutely sickening stuff. If Watford have any cop on, he gets sacked before their next game. Shameful stuff from Hodgson. Watford are now down. We bid them adieu. We'll probably see them again because they're one of those yo-yo clubs. Uh, Palace are 10th. Look, a good bet now to finish top half. 44 points for the season. Positive goal differential. Games remaining. Villa away, Everton away, Man United home. Winnable. All three of them are winnable for Palace. Um, Don't expect them to win all three because they're an inconsistent mid-table team, but they're all winnable games for this Crystal Palace team. Uh, good news for Palace. It looks like Michael Elise is going to sign a new contract, removing the £35 million buyout clause that was in his current deal uh, and raising that to over £50 million. Um, great news for Palace. And it seems to have been that his side were the ones that pushed for this. So shows that he is committed to the club and he is happy there. Uh, looking forward to seeing a lot more of him next season. Brighton 4, Manchester United nil. United's embarrassing season carries on. Uh, this is now their worst ever Premier League season. Moises Casado put Brighton one up on 15 minutes with a shot from the edge of the box that De Gea saw late and couldn't get to. Mark Cucurella broke into the United penalty area on 49 and smashed the ball into the top corner. Pascal Grouse danced his way in and finished past De Gea on 57. And then Leandro Trossard was just fortunate that a defensive clearance hit him and went in on 60. And that was all she wrote. United were awful. Genuinely awful. Uh, a truly embarrassing performance by the worst Manchester United team since at least the early 80s. Uh, for those wondering where they would be without Cristiano. Well, just remember that Cristiano didn't play in the first couple of games of the season and United were starting the season quite well. Uh, they have a negative one goal differential with Cristiano on the pitch and he made his debut against Newcastle. They'd already taken seven points from the three games before he he joined. Um, so it, it is worth suggesting that the 51 points from 34 games they've taken since he's been there, it could have been higher without him. Now, I know he's missed a couple of games. I'm not sure how many. Let's have a quick gander. Uh, Cristiano Ronaldo. He has played 27 games. Um, and Sorry, 27 starts. And three sub appearances. Um, yeah, he, he scored goals while torpedoing the team. Fireman after Arsenal gets all the credit and none of the blame. And his performance the weekend was an embarrassment. From about 20 minutes on, the hands were on the hips. The gesticulation had begun. The pouting, the throwing his arms up in the air. It was, it was a glorious thing to witness. Uh, moving on. Oh, Brighton, I should point out, they're ninth. Um, looking like potentially a top half finish for the season, which would be huge. Uh, two remaining games. They go to Leeds and then they play... West Ham at home. Both of those games potentially very important because Leeds will need points to stay up. 
West Ham will need points to get Europa League. United only have one game left. That is away to Crystal Palace. It's two weeks from now. I expect them to lose. I don't expect Cristiano to play. I don't expect Mata or Lingard or Matic or any of the others who are leaving this summer to play. I think it could well be a very young Manchester United team. And I expect that they will lose. Because losing is a habit. And they have become habitual losers this season. Uh, 11 defeats in the Premier League for Manchester United this season. Uh, compare and contrast with six last season, eight the year before, even 18, 19, they only lost 10, 17, 18, they lost seven, 16, 17, they lost five, 15, 16, they lost 10, 14, 15, they lost eight, 13, 14, they might have lost 12. Let's see. Yeah, they lost 12 and 13, 14. The season of Moyes. And they still finished with 64 points, whereas their maximum for this season will be 61. And even that, I don't think they're going to get. <laughs> what a mess. What a mess. Eric Ten Hag. Call your agent, son. See if there's an out clause. Find a way, because you're not that guy to fix this. I'm sorry, he's just not. He's not the one to fix this. Sixteen wins is all they've managed this season. Sixteen wins. A goal difference of one. If Palace beat them 1-0, a goal difference of zero, with all that attacking talent, with Ronaldo and Bruno and Sancho and Alanga and Rashford, and I know he's missed half the season, but Greenwood was there half the season, Martial was there half the season. That's embarrassing. 56 goals conceded so far. With Wambasaka and Shaw and Matt Maguire and Lindelof and Bailly and Varane and Dalo and Tellez. All of that money spent. David De Gea, the best goalkeeper in the world. 56 goals conceded. Everton have conceded 56 goals. Jordan Pickford, he's not very good, but he's, he's actually playing better than De Gea at the moment. How embarrassing. How do you spend that much money and get it all so, so wrong? Liverpool won, Tottenham won. Liverpool's Premier League dreams take a massive blow. Hyungman Son put Spurs one up on 56 minutes. A good team goal in which one of Liverpool's players, I won't say who, but you can probably guess, didn't track a runner who found himself free in the box to receive a pass from Kane and slotted across to Hyungman Son to tap in on 56. But Luis Diaz dragged Liverpool back into the game. His deflected shot on 74 gave the Reds a point. They are now three points. They did go top of the league, it should be pointed out, after that result. Um, but that's now 10 games in which they've dropped points this season, which might just be one too many. Um, eight draws, as in 18-19, it feels like draws are going to be what cost Liverpool the title. And, you know, if Spurs do manage to get fourth, then Liverpool wouldn't have won a game against any of the top four in the Premier League this season. They'll have beaten City in the Cup. They beat Chelsea in a Cup final. They could potentially beat them in another Cup final. But they'd have zero league wins in six games against the other top four teams. And they did beat Arsenal twice because, you know, Liverpool Arsenal, of course, they beat them. They've beaten them three times this season and um, would likely beat them three more times if they played three more games. But too many draws. The draws against Brighton, Brentford, those are, are very, very costly. Very, very costly, as were the defeats to West Ham and Leicester. Um, this game itself did not 
did not end Liverpool's hopes of a quadruple of a league title. Uh, if Liverpool do lose out on the league title, it will be those results pre-Christmas. But the title race is still not over. It is worth pointing that out. They're three points behind. City do now have a better goal difference. But City have a couple of tough games coming up, whereas Liverpool, all they can do is win their games. That's it. They've got Villa, they've got Southampton, they've got Wolves. Three teams they'd expect to beat. Three teams they should beat. They've also got an FA Cup final and a Champions League final to contend with. Now, there's part of me that thinks maybe they should just swerve the league and focus in on winning what they can control, which is those two cups, and ending the season with three trophies. Um, but I expect that Klopp you know, will, will fight for the title until till the very end, and, and that is his right, and that's probably the right thing to do. Uh, we'll move on. Other than to say Spurs, good point, but you know, now you're four points behind Arsenal, and even if you beat Arsenal, you're still relying on them to drop points elsewhere. Um, Tottenham's remaining games Arsenal on Thursday then Burnley then Norwich so Spurs should win their last two they've just got to beat Arsenal and then it's it's down to Arsenal will Arsenal drop points Arsenal have Newcastle away and Everton final day of the season now the way Everton are playing at the minute they could come and try and spoil that game I wouldn't expect them to get anything from it but stranger things have happened. Spurs' hopes will lie on Newcastle. They will need Newcastle to get a result on a Monday night in St. James's Park. It's as simple as that. That's what Spurs are, are reliant on. That they can beat Arsenal and win their last two games and that Arsenal drop points against Newcastle. Moving into Sunday... Norwich nil, West Ham four. Uh, Tim Krul, have you found any envelopes of cash, you know, just randomly on your doorstep recently? Because this genuinely looked like match fixing. It was that bad. Uh, the first goal from Ben Rama, Krul should save. The second from Antonio, the defence is an absolute shambles. The third from Ben Rama, I think Krul should save. And the fourth, it's just a ridiculous penalty to give away. Lanzini steps up and makes it 4-0. West Ham played well. Uh, West Ham were dominant. Jared Bone missed the sitter. He did get three assists, but uh, missing the sitter will probably upset him more. <clears throat> so um, West Ham keep themselves in the running for sixth place and a Europa League spot. They've got a superior goal difference to United. So depending on how United's game against Palace goes, if they were to lose that, West Ham could get in simply by uh, beating Brighton on the last day of the season. But I don't think they'll want to leave it a chance. So I think they're going to have to go and try and get something from their game against Man City. That's their next league match. City at home. They've been good at home against the bigger sides. The league form has been tragic for the last 15 games, but that Norwich game could well be a sign of something new. We'll see. But they look now like a good bet for that sixth spot. They could beat Brighton even a point against... Even a point against City might be enough. Now, if United were to beat Palace... West Ham would have need to have beaten City and beat Brighton, and then they get up above them on goal difference. That could still happen as well. It wouldn't be a surprise if West Ham beat City at the London Stadium. City aren't invincible by any stretch. So we'll just have to wait and see how that one plays out. Uh, Norwich are down. They've been down. They're not worth talking about. They've got three games left, and I think we should expect them to lose all of them. They play away to... Leicester, away to Wolves and at home to Tottenham and I expect them to lose all three and finish on their current tally of 21 points and congrats to them for that. Is that better or worse than they had two years ago? It's exactly the same. 
it's exactly the same. 21 points is just what Norwich get in the Premier League now, apparently. Um, Watford had 34 points that year. Uh, they've got 22 now. Three games left. Everton, Leicester and Chelsea. Leicester at home, Everton at home. Maybe they take another three points, another four points maybe. Pressure's off now. You're gone. Nothing you can do about it. Might as well just enjoy the games, go and attack. I'd Like I said, I'd sack Hodgson and just say, right, go for it. Go and have fun. Why not? Uh, moving on. Leicester won, Everton two. Big win for Everton. Michael Enko with a stunner on six. Patson Daka equalised on 11. Mason Holgate taking advantage of some of the worst defending you'll ever see from a set piece. Uh, on 30 minutes heading home the rebound from Richarlison's unmarked header. Uh, Leicester are a mess, and it may well just be time for Brendan to pack up his things and go, because this was a shambles. This was West Ham, or West Ham, Everton didn't even play well. Didn't need to. Leicester were just pathetic. Harry Barnes should have gotten them a draw, but he didn't. Rodgers tried to get fancy with his shape. Nothing worked for him. I I would seriously be considering removing him if I was the Leicester board. Because you're 14th in the Premier League. 14th. Now you do have four games left. And you could still... I mean, you could still finish eighth if you won all four games and other results went the right way for you. But you're not going to. Now they've got Norwich at home, Watford away, Chelsea away, and Southampton at home. That should be nine points minimum. And with the way Chelsea are playing at home, ten points. But it's just not going to be. They're going to do something stupid across one of those games. They're going to lose a game they shouldn't lose. They'll probably lose to Watford. Or they'll lose to Southampton. Or they'll get hammered by Chelsea. Something like that. They're going to finish in the bottom half, all things being likely. And that's unacceptable for that that talent. No wins in five in the Premier League. You've played Everton twice in that spell. Everton are garbage. And you took one point. One point. All that money spent. Brendan Rodgers should be ashamed of himself. Moving on. Arsenal 2, Leeds 1. I think Leeds are the ones going down. Oh, I should point out, credit to Everton. Everton are now up to 16th. They've won 3 of 5. They're still not good, but they're winning games. So credit to them. It looks like they will spend another season in the Premier League. They've got Watford away, Brentford home, Palace home, Arsenal away. In all likelihood, three points against Watford will probably do it. You'd expect them to get something from their home games. The ineptitude of others has enabled them to survive more than anything. More than anything they've done themselves. The ineptitude of others. Because Leicester were hopeless. Absolutely hopeless. We saw the performance Chelsea put in last week. We saw the performance United put in at Goodison. Embarrassing. Absolutely embarrassing performances. Uh, so, yeah, congrats to Everton. It looks like you will just about survive to fight another season in the Premier League. And um, it looks like Leeds are the ones that will are in the most trouble. The 2-0 defeat to Arsenal, it was just, it was comedy central from Leeds. Uh, Melier makes a complete hames of things, takes a heavy touch. And Ketia closed them down and just taps the ball into the net uh, on five minutes. On 10 minutes, their defence is cut apart. It's a simple ball into the box. And then Ketia is somehow unmarked 11 yards from goal. Taps at home 2-0. Then the most brainless act of the weekend, Luke Ayling just leps two-footed at Martinelli. Gets the yellow card initially. Everybody sees the red card. VAR sees the red card. The ref watches about a half dozen times and then finally agrees it's a red card. 
and Luke Ayling is off. And that is Luke Ayling's Premier League season done and really should be his Premier League career done. He's not he's not good enough to play in the, the Premier League. Uh, good win for Arsenal. Lorente took, pulled one back on 66. And to be fair, Leeds almost snatched a point late on. Uh, there was a late header. For the love of me, I can't think. I can't think who it was. There was a late Leeds header. Oh, Rodrigo. Rodrigo had that late chance. Uh, but it was it was all a shambles. Leeds were a shambles. An absolute shambles. Um, in the relegation zone. Negative 35 goal differential, the third worst in the division, so they deserve to be where they are. 74 goals conceded, it's embarrassing. And three difficult enough games to come. So they get Chelsea midweek. Now, Chelsea will have one eye on the FA Cup, but they've also got to keep focus on the league because they've got to secure top four. Then they get Brighton at home. Brighton have found form of late. And, you know, three wins in the last five and are hoping to nail down a, a top-half finish. And then away to Brentford. And the way Brentford are playing, three wins in the last five. And again, they're also looking at a top-half finish, thinking, well, that could be possible. Yeah, Leeds look like the team right now that are most likely to find their way into the championship. And it'll be a shame, because they've been fun. Talk more about them tomorrow. Last game of the weekend. Man City 5, Newcastle 0. Toon put up a bit of a fight for about 25 minutes. They should have gone ahead. Chris Wood missed an absolute sitter. Uh, But then City missed a couple of sitters in quick succession as well. America Laporte missed the, the worst of them. Uh, but then Sterling on 19 minutes, heading home after cross from one side. Jack and Sale's blindside run. He had the back cross. Sterling heads home. Uh, Laporte doubled the lead on 38 minutes after Dubravka spilled a fairly straightforward shot from Gundogan and then saved the follow-up from Diaz, but it bounced to Laporte. Uh, Rodri made it three on 61 with a header. Phil Foden made it four on 90. And then just because Eddie Howe likes to get pummeled by Pep Guardiola, Sterling made it five, two minutes later, as City ran out comfortable winners. Uh, Like I say, there was 25 minutes when Newcastle tried to make a game for it. Alan St. Maximum was an absolute liability and should have been hauled off after probably half an hour because it was clearly obvious that Jack and Sale was just going to run away from him non-stop. Now, big blow in this game for City that Ruben Diaz went off at halftime. Made no difference to this game because Newcastle aren't very good and was never really going to make a difference. But Pep came out after the game and said he's done for the season. He said him, Stones and Walker are all done for the season. So expect to see them back in the lineup for the next game. Um, City are three points clear, three games left. Tricky enough game against Wolves. Tough game against West Ham. I think that could be the one where they drop points and then they should beat Aston Villa fairly comfortably on the last day of the season. They are top. They deserve to be top. They've been the best team in the Premier League across the course of the season. It's as simple as that. Now, I still think this Liverpool team is better than that City team. I think when you look at the games between them, two draws and a Liverpool win, Liverpool have a cup in hand, the into cup finals if Liverpool win three cups including the Champions League there will be no real case that City are better than them regardless of the fact that City are going to win the league that's just a simple fact of it but City will deserve the league title because in the league they've been the most consistent team Newcastle are 13th that's back to back defeats imagine you know, it was just a case they had to play good teams before they found their level again. They've got two games left. They're both difficult. They've got Arsenal away. Sorry, no, Arsenal at home and Burnley away. 
both teams going for something. You know, it's different when you play, a, you know, a Norwich who are as good as down, a Palace in mid-table, Leicester in mid-table, Wolves with nothing to play for. Very different when you play those teams. You know, you, you play a Tottenham going for top four, an Everton trying to stay in the division, a Chelsea aiming to, you know, lock down third at the time, looking like they might still make some sort of late burst of the title. It was never going to happen, but, you know, different when you play those teams than, you know, Southampton with nothing to play for and Brentford with nothing to play for. Those teams in the middle of the table that have nothing to play for and were just seeing games out. Um, yeah, interesting to see what Newcastle do the next two games. I don't think Eddie Howe will want to end the season on a four-game losing streak. I don't even think he'll be particularly happy about a two-game losing streak. So we may see a reaction from them against Arsenal. I'd still expect Arsenal to beat them, but it will be tough under the lights at St. James's on a Monday night. Last home game of the season, it might just give Newcastle a little bit of something. I know Spurs fans and Spurs, the football club, will absolutely be hoping that it gives a little bit of extra motivation to the tune. Uh, we'll take a break. When we come back, there's a quick bit of gossip. We'll have a laugh at Garth Crooks. And that's about it. See you in a sec. Right, welcome back. So the big news today is that Erling Haaland to Manchester City is as good as done, according to David Ornstein. That it is a done deal based on German sources and should be announced within the next week. Big addition for City, obviously. And of course, Pep's answer to failure is always spend more money. Not look to improve what you have, it's just spend more money. Uh, which must be a bit demotivating for the players that they know they're always replaceable. It's his approach. It's what, what he feels works for him. Haaland's obviously a star, and he is a machine in front of goal. Now, there are some concerning injury issues. He's had quite a few muscular problems, and uh, we'll wait and see what happens. But there's no doubting his prowess in front of goal. You know, from the time he brought burst onto the scenes playing in a, was it the under 20 World Cup or something? And he scored like nine goals or eight goals in a game. I uh, went to Red Bull Salzburg, only there in the team for half a season, uh, scored 28 goals in 22 games had just sort of settled in at the end of the previous season. Moved to Dortmund, scored 16 and 18 in his first half season, 41 and 41 in his first full season, and 28 and 29 this season. He has had the injury problems this season. That's why he's only played the 29 games. But if we look at his injury history, it ligament, a ligament injury when he was still with Mulder. Then he had knee problems, abdominal muscles injury, knee problems, knee problems, torn muscle fiber, muscular problems, muscle problems, problems with the hip flexor, and muscle problems. That's a lot of injuries for two and a half, three years. Three years, three years. It's it's three seasons worth. It's a lot of injuries. Now, it may just be that it's, it's growing pains and whatever else, because he's still very young. Uh, he is only 21. He turns 22 this summer. He's guaranteed goals. That's what Erling Haaland is. He's guaranteed goals. But he seems an odd fit for a Pep Guardiola team. Now, they'll make it work. They've got too many great players for it not to work. But if he's playing central, that means Foden has to play on the left. So that means Grealish just isn't in the team. I think you go Sterling, Haaland, Foden as your front three. I think that has to be it. And then in midfield, it's De Bruyne, 
Rodri and Bernardo. You've got Gundogan for depth. I think that has to be the team. It's a little bit of an awkward fit, but they'll make it work. I could see them doing what they used to do and flexing the 4-3-3 to 4-4-2 with Foden wide on one side, De Bruyne wide on the other, and looking to get a lot of crosses in at Haaland using that aerial prowess and have Sterling playing almost as a second striker quite close to him. Foden doesn't have the blow-away pace of Asane, but his delivery is spectacular. That's what I think will happen. We'll wait and see, though. But great signing for City, there's no doubt. Look, he's going there for the money. They've offered the most money, and rightly so. I would as well, if I could get a player that good um, and that young. I don't think he's going to be a long-term City player. I would be surprised if he spends more than three years there. I would guess his contract will come with some sort of buyout clause that kicks in at a certain time. But it'll be worth it for City if he wins them a Champions League. Simple as that. Because the whole project exists to win the Champions League. Uh, Gareth Crooks has put out his team of the week. So he's gone Pickford. Um, He made a couple of good saves, to be fair. I'm trying to think, did anyone else have a really standout performance um, over the weekend? No. No, Pickford's probably the fair choice. Uh, he's picked Michaelenko as his right back. That's the first thing to note. Uh, Michaelenko scored, so of course he's in the team. Uh, he's picked Romero because he'll have watched the Spurs game being a Spurs fan. And Romero was very good. Uh, he's picked Cody because Cody scored. He obviously didn't watch the game or he wouldn't have picked Cody, but he's picked Cody. Uh, Cucurella scored, so he's picked him. Then in midfield, he's picked Pascal Gross because he scored. Uh, he's picked Emmy Buendia because he scored. He wouldn't have picked him if he'd watched the game. Uh, I'd say he watched the City game, so he saw De Bruyne. Um, so that's fine. Uh, De Bruyne was brilliant. Uh, he's picked Ben Rama because he scored twice. Uh, no Jared Bowen, despite the fact he was probably the best player in that game. Uh, he's picked Lukaku because he scored twice, and he's picked Teddy and Ketty because he scored twice. Like, at this point, he, he just needs to own it. He just needs to own up to the fact that he doesn't watch Premier League football. He watches the highlights. He sees who scores. He just does not watch games. Bizarre. What a bizarre thing that the BBC um, still employ him. I want to give you all a present today. There is a clip on YouTube. Go for YouTube. Just put in Sky News, Garth Crooks talks gangs. I'm just, just, just go. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Just go and watch it. Right. We'll do the gossip and we'll get out of here before I get myself in trouble. Uh, Barcelona want to make Bernardo Silva, want to sign Bernardo Silva. And could offer a swap for Frankie de Jong. Um, Bernardo doesn't really make sense for Barcelona. When they've got Gavi and Pedri. But he's obviously a tremendous player. I still think if I was them, I'd rather have Frankie. And if I was City, I think I'd rather have Bernardo. Because of how each team plays. Uh, Graham Potter is favoured to replace Antonio Conte at Tottenham. Brighton would want 10 million compensation from Spurs should Conte leave at the end of the season. Don't be surprised if Graham Potter is the Leicester manager next season. Uh, Conte has warned Tottenham they will need to spend big in the summer or, or risk needing a miracle to catch other teams. Well, I mean, 
you're miles away from Liverpool and City, but all the rest, Chelsea, Arsenal, Tottenham, West Ham, United, they're all they're all in and around the same sort of area. I mean, there's only nine points separating Chelsea and Tottenham and, and United, rather. There's only five points separating Chelsea and Tottenham. So catching them shouldn't be a big deal. If you coach properly over the summer and you get a couple of good players in, you should finish third or fourth next season. Catching the top two is going to take a couple of years. You could spend 200 million this summer. You're still not going to catch them next season. Incoming Manchester United boss, Eric Ten Hag wants Cristiano Ronaldo to stay at the club. Uh, he's been told that Cristiano is staying. Manchester United are also interested in Reims 19-year-old striker, Hugo Ekatiki. If I was him, I would stay as far clear as possible. Uh, I would have a look at the development of Anthony Martial at Manchester United, and I would swerve them as much as I could. Chelsea are considering a move for Torino's Brazilian defender, Bremer. Um, makes sense in the middle of a back three, awful in a back four. You'd have been better off keeping Fikayo Tamori, who's a better defender, younger, and can play in a four. Former Manchester United boss, Oli Gunnar Solskjaer, is ready to return to management and has received approaches, including from other Premier League clubs. No, he hasn't. No, he hasn't. That's come out in some Norwegian thing. He's looking for a job in Norway. He probably wants to mold the job back. Uh, Christian Eriksen is considering remaining at Brentford next season. I think he should. I think he should. They gave you a shot. It works for you. You're happy there. They're happy to build the team around you. Stay where you are. Um, Kylian Mbappe will announce his final decision in June. At this point, I just don't care. Chelsea are frustrated they were able to unable to sign Erling Haaland. The club have been limited by... Oh, that's the excuse now. Oh, we were limited by sanctions. Nothing to do with the fact that you signed Lukaku last summer and it would have been ridiculous to go and sign Haaland. Um, Fulham manager Marco Silva says Fabio Carvalho will not be at the club next season. Everybody knows this. Liverpool have signed him. Arsenal are interested in Arthur Mello still, apparently. West Ham are considering a move for Josh Brownhill of Burnley. Could make sense for a bit of depth in midfield. He's a decent player. The Hammers are also plotting a move for Armando Broya. He would make sense. Uh, Brendan Rodgers is determined to refresh his squad in a move that could see several first-team players leave. I think the bigger thing that needs refreshing is him. I think players just get bored of him. It happened at Liverpool. It happened at Celtic. He never had much impact at Liverpool either. It was just that he gave the team to Suarez and said, right, you do you. And Suarez picked the team up on his back. Uh, Chelsea manager Thomas Tuchel says Romelu Lukaku remains an important part of his plans for next season. I have doubts. Barcelona have reached a breakthrough in their talks with Gavi over a new contract. About time. Ruben Neves would prefer to stay in the Premier League if he leaves Molyneux at the end of the season. I really hope they keep him. I really do. Uh, David Beckham wants to bring James Rodriguez to Inter Miami. It would be a very Miami signing. Very, he's a very Miami type of player. Um, I mean the city, not the club. The club have no identity because they're basically brand new and they're managed by Phil Neville. Uh, Arsenal are closing in on a £40 million deal for Yuri Tielemans, but Real Madrid are ready to move if the Gunners fail to qualify for the Champions League. I think Real Madrid are going to sign Pogba as their midfielder, because he's free. I think that's what they're going to do. I think they're going to send Pogba. I think Tielemans goes to Arsenal. That makes sense. If I was Leicester, I'd be trying to get Saliba in, in part exchange, even if it was a straight swap. If it was a straight swap and I compare Saliba next to Fafana with James Justin as three quarters of my defence for the long term, that's perfect. Um... Cristiano Ronaldo has discussed his Manchester United future with former United boss Alex Ferguson in a series of private meetings. If they're private meetings, how do you know about them? Why is he talking to Alex Ferguson? <clears throat> Tottenham are set to sign 
Sam Johnston from West Brom after United not decided not to go ahead with a move. Strange. Tottenham have been given encouragement that Villarreal and Spain centre-back Pau Torres could be available for £10 million below his release clause. He makes sense for them on the left of a back three. Uh, Paul Pogba has held talks with Juventus over return there, so yeah, maybe that's an option for him as well. Departing Manchester United midfielder Nemanja Matic could join Juventus, a free transfer, so of course Juventus will be in that, in that race. Uh, Thomas Frank is keen to have the long-term future of Christian Eriksen decided before the end of the season. West Ham are the new leaders in the race signed Ben Brereton Diaz. Again, he would make sense and he'd be a lot cheaper than Armando Brogia. Um, Ralph Ranić expects the Man United squad to be bolstered with the arrival of six or eight new players. Jesus wept. Leicester will battle with Chelsea for the signing of Gleason Prepper. He would be a very Brendan signing. Brendan loves hyper-aggressive centre-backs. He'll stick him in a back four and he'll just be an absolute clown show. Um, put him in the middle of back three and he has been very, very good this season. I still wouldn't trust him. I wouldn't want him in my club. But, you know, Brendan loves that type of centre-back. That and, you know, your, your Vesta guards who can ping a pass, they're very Brendan signings. Uh, Ajax and Argentina defender... Nicholas Tagliafico is set to leave the club this summer, despite his contract running for the year. That, that's called a sale, Fabrizio. This fella is not the smartest, is he? Hmm. Uh, Leeds and England midfielder Calvin Phillips says he is fully contra- uh, concentrated on finishing the season with his boyhood club. Um, he is, he's gone in the summer. Uh, he'd be perfect for Arsenal. He's exactly what they need. He's exactly what Arsenal need as a leader, as a ball winner, as a tough, tough midfielder. Him and Rafinha will be the first ones out the door, but they might be two of the only ones out the door because it's not... Lorente is good, but he's injury prone. There's not a whole lot else there at Leeds um, other than young players. It, Victor Orta has done a really poor job. Uh, French winger Alan St. Maxim says he does not see himself leaving Newcastle this summer unless they decide to get rid of you, son. No one's coming in with the performances you're putting in. Paris Saint-Germain midfielder Leandro Paredes says he dreams of playing for Real Madrid. It's good to have dreams, but I mean, it, it's not really realistic, is it? Liverpool will look to give Joe Gomez a new contract this summer. Um, yeah, it makes sense, of course, but I get the feeling he might want to go. Uh, Manchester City's big money deal for Erling Haaland could be announced this week. Barcelona want Bernardo Silva. Liverpool are ahead of Chelsea and Real Madrid in the race to sign Orlen Chouameni. That's that that deal looks like it's progressing well. Arsenal could be thwarted in their bid to sign Latour Martinez with Inter Milan not looking to sell. That does tend to thwart the old bids there, doesn't it? Um, Arsenal, Chelsea and Manchester United are looking to sign Christopher and Kunku this summer. Looks like he's staying put this summer. A bad fit for Arsenal. Could see it at Chelsea. Could see it at Chelsea for sure. Um, he should just avoid United like the plague. And given they won't be in the Champions League, he probably will. Uh, Bayern Munich are preparing an opening bid of about 15 million for Conrad Lehmer. Quality player, one year left on his contract. Leipzig will sell him. And it would make sense for him to go there. He'd be a good squad midfielder for them. Uh, David Beckham hopes Cristiano Ronaldo will, uh, will remain at United next season. Great. Ronaldo has told his teammates he will stay if Eric Ten Hag wants him. I think we know the answer to that part, but, you know. Atletico Madrid are keen to sign Aaron Wambasaka. I, I would bet that they're not. Although Simeone would turn him into an absolute monster defensively. Aston Villa have held fresh talks over signing Bubakar Kamara. He'd be a great signing for them, genuinely. Bournemouth want Dean Henderson next season. I have doubts. Former Netherlands midfielder Fred Rutten turned down an offer to become Eric Ten Hag's 
one of Eric Ten Hag's assistants at Manchester United and is set to return to PSV Eindhoven to work under Ruud van Nistelrooy. Uh, Tottenham are facing a challenge from Bundesliga and Serie A sides for Hellas Verona's Czech Republic midfielder Antonin Barak. Why would Tottenham want Antonin Barak? I mean, he's a good player, but he wouldn't be someone I'd sign if I was looking to get top four. Uh, Leicester are resigned to losing a host of key players with clubs circling for Yuri Tielemans, James Madison and Harvey Barnes. I think Madison and Barnes will stay, um, but Tielemans is off. Liverpool are hoping to beat Leeds to the signing of Calvin Ramsey. I think they have beaten Leeds to the signing of Calvin Ramsey. Former Chelsea and Tottenham manager Andre Villas-Boas could become Morocco coach which could pave the way for Chelsea forward Hakim Ziyech's return to the Morocco fold. Uh, always good to see Vias Bose back in management. I, I like Vias Bose. Uh, that'll do me for today, folks. I will thank you. As always, remember, Sky News, Gart Crooks Talks Kangs. Um, there's also the ultimate Garth Crooks compilation and Garth Crooks Funniest Moments, which I would highly recommend to all. Uh, you can thank me later. I will see you tomorrow. Take care of yourselves. Bye-bye. Podcast Network.